This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, everyone. I was going to say welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. SubhanAllah. My, my mind even went right straight to let me say welcome back to Quran 30 for 30. Uh, welcome to our post Ramadan webinar. Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah, as you can see, uh, we have the whole team here. Alhamdulillah, not the whole team, but all of the speakers here, alhamdulillah, and um, I think that we need this with everything that's going on. And, and I'll say this because just to start right off the bat, I think all of us are rightfully consumed by what's happening in Palestine and uh, watching the news constantly and engaging, inshallah ta'ala, as much as we can, doing the best that we can. And there can be a tendency when there's something like that going on to put everything else to the side in the sense of ibadah, in the sense of worship, and to you know say, well, now is not the time to talk about this. Let's do, let's just do another webinar. Let's do another conversation about what's happening in Palestine. And I think that it's important for us to remember, and I'll probably say this a few times, inshallah ta'ala, that it is our connection to ibadah that fuels us and that ultimately brings about the goodness that we are seeking with the ta'ala for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters, inshallah. And so. We continue to talk about, you know, our connection to Allah, our connection to the Quran, our connection to our good deeds beyond Ramadan, while never being distant from our brothers and sisters emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. So Alhamdulillah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it is still important for us. And uh, I want to thank everyone that's here. Alhamdulillah. Uh, if you look across your screen, I will start with, um, to, to, my, to my right, um, because Mufti Saab uh, wanted so bad, Mufti Abdurrahman wanted so bad to be all the way on the right. Um, he insisted on his position on the screen, and that's just you know we we just had to uh, to to acknowledge it or we had to just let it go. Okay, so Mufti Saab is Ashab al-Yamin. He wants to be Dr. Tasneem is not Ashab al-Shimal, but she just happens to be on my left right now. So Dr. Tasneem al-Qiq, Alhamdulillah, um, and of course the Sheikh Abdullah Aduru, who's back, Alhamdulillah. Um, and everyone's been been clamoring about Sheikh Abdullah. When's he going to come back? So he's back. Alhamdulillah. I mean, very happy to have him. He's not going to jump into my 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 uh, my room. I don't think he will, at least. But if he disappears at some point, I'll start worrying. But Alhamdulillah. I mean, we have Sheikh Abdullah, Sheikh Ibrahim Hindi. Alhamdulillah. I mean, and of course, Sister Najwa. Alhamdulillah. Awad. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala bless you all. How's everyone doing? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I'm good on the right. Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy. Because <laughs> I'm Quran 30 for 30. You guys kept looking down upon me, man. You guys gave me some real, like, you know, confidence issues in that time. You do realize that that what this, you know, what you're saying about the bottom row now. So at some point, I think we're just going to have to start flipping boxes around now. Just because <laughs> you, you've made such a big deal about the positioning now, we're just going to have to keep on switching it around. Now I'm just that. being on the left. <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to say about Dr. Tasneem? She finished her PhD, so now we relegate her to the left. Is that what happened? No, no, no. That's because she left Michigan. That's why. Uh, okay. you're, left, you're left because you left Michigan. Alhamdulillah. Like he was waiting to say that. <laughs> yeah. seemed, that, that seemed to, there seemed to be some anger in that. It wasn't just like a... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We we would love for her and her husband to be back in Michigan so they can help us over here. But, you know, it's all good. You know. 
ان شاء الله we're going to try to make this more conversational inshallah ta'ala but i'm going to ask everyone a question um, about particularly you know how we keep it going after ramadan inshallah and hopefully you know will be practical but also inshallah ta'ala everyone will be building on what was said before them so i'm going to ask a question and inshallah ta'ala everyone is welcome to chime in um, so i'm going to start with sheikh ibrahim inshallah because sheikh ibrahim actually um, is addressing bidnillah what I think a lot of us might be feeling about the regret with Ramadan and sometimes we go straight to you know the habits after Ramadan and we make the assumption that everyone felt like they had an amazing Ramadan and the reality is is that some people feel like they didn't have the ideal Ramadan some people feel like they didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve in Ramadan and so my question to you Sheikh Ibrahim is that as people might have felt disengaged during Ramadan they might feel disappointed with their spiritual goals there it is, Khadija is already crying about it because she's remembering uh, how disappointed she was. How do, we meet, how do we move forward if we feel like we didn't have the ideal Ramadan experience? So let's sort of start there, inshallah, and then we'll build uh, on that. Inshallah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. <clears throat> you know, I feel a certain affinity to this question because, uh, you know, in most places in Canada, I think we've been under lockdown for a long time now. Uh, and certainly during Ramadan, most of us were unable to attend the masajid or see our family and have iftar with uh, other Muslims. And it's been like two years now <clears throat> where we've been away from the masjid uh, during Ramadan. I think it's some people's minds. Uh, you know, anecdotally, I sent messages to people just asking them, like, how do you feel this Ramadan versus last? And pretty much everyone felt like this one was not as good, pro probably because of the stress of what we've been facing. And... Uh, you know, subhanAllah, like even if you weren't in lockdown and I know like a lot of places in the U.S. have been opening up and so each country and district is probably different one from the other. But even if you weren't in lockdown, I think sometimes there's external stresses that can happen, right? Like a death of a family member, for instance, or problems at work or problems with your kids. There's so many external factors that sometimes knock us off course during the month of Ramadan or they deflate us during the month of Ramadan. Even what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Palestine, I think for some Muslims, it you know energized their ibadah, made them make, make even better du'a, make them you know pray even deeper. But for some people, it might have just knocked them off course, and they just might have felt very deflated. So now that Ramadan is over, and you're kind of looking back, and uh, you know we're talking about moving forward with momentum. A lot of people are going to be thinking, what momentum? Like, I didn't have any momentum during that month, or, or I really felt deflated, or I didn't achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve. And I think about a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when he said, um, which is a bit difficult to translate, that the Prophet ﷺ says that during the days of the year, there are, you know, it literally means a breeze, but there are gifts from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what the scholars intend, you know, interpret this to mean is that there are seasons in the days of the year, seasons of the forgiveness of Allah, of the mercy of Allah. There are days of the year that are better than other days, right? And so the Prophet says, لَهَا, like expose yourself to these days, engage in these days, that perhaps you might get some of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during them. And so there are days, uh, you know, there are seasons of the mercy of Allah, of his forgiveness, of his blessing. And so imagine for a moment you owned a business. And your business was a seasonal business. So your business, for instance, is a tourist, you know, focused or centric business. And let's say because of COVID lockdowns or, or other things that might have happened in your life, other stresses that occur in your life that happen during the season, you your business ends up suffering, 
right? You end up looking back at the end of the season, you're like, I didn't make as much money as I, I should have made, right? I didn't do as well as I should have done in my business. Here's the thing, it's natural to feel disappointed, to feel like you've missed out, but dwelling on it too much is not gonna benefit you. Dwelling on it too much is not gonna make your business better, right? Instead, the only solution is to plan for the next season, right? To say, okay, maybe part of the reason I didn't do so well during Ramadan, maybe part of the reason why I was knocked off of course quite easily is because I didn't strengthen myself beforehand. Like I didn't strengthen my business before the season. So when I came in season, I was easily knocked off course. And so maybe what I can do is for next season, I make sure that I'm better prepared. I make sure that I'm prepared enough that whatever comes my way, I can still have a certain amount of focus on my business, or in this case, on our Iman, on our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so if you feel like you weren't focused enough last this past Ramadan, if you feel like you didn't take advantage of the season of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of his forgiveness, of his blessings enough, it's probably a sign that we didn't prepare enough beforehand. We didn't strengthen our iman enough. We didn't engage enough in dua. We didn't you know, do enough salah. We didn't do enough night prayers. Uh, and so when we were faced with stress and with anxiety, it knocked us off course and we didn't do as well. And so feeling bad about it probably is not going to be too helpful. Instead, what's important is for us to resolve ourselves moving forward, to try to be better prepared. Right. And alhamdulillah, you know, subhanAllah, even that hadith that I mentioned, it doesn't specify Ramadan, although, of course, Ramadan is one of the seasons of the forgiveness of Allah. It is the month of patience, the month of Quran, the month of dua. But at the same time, there are other days in the year that are also important. So coming up soon, there's going to be the 10 days of the Hijjah. Can we prepare ourselves for those 10 days and do better in those 10 days? And then build as we try to get to the next Ramadan. And that's something that should weigh on our minds throughout the year. Like the Salaf, as we all know, for half of the year, they used to pray for Allah to accept what they did in the previous Ramadan. And for the next half of the year, they would pray for Allah to allow them to witness the next Ramadan. So their whole year was a lot of planning around the concept of Ramadan and trying to do the best in that time. And so what's important for us, inshallah, even if we haven't done that that well during the past Ramadan, even if we feel like we failed a little bit, it's important for us to realize we need to resolve to do better resolve to prepare ourselves better, even if it's by doing small things throughout the year to inshallah build our iman and to strengthen our iman. But next from over external factors come our way, inshallah we're able to overcome them bi'idhnillah. Zakallah khair. Inshallah, would anyone like to jump in bi'idhnillah? I mean, Sheikh Umar, I mean, of course, when you say that, just just say, I know the guy with the turban on my right has something to say. Just say it. Just spit it out. Just every time that happens, I, just say that. I didn't I didn't say that. I, I, I assume, mashallah, that, you know. I mean, you said it behind the scenes, you know, like, so khalas. You, you literally said it indirectly behind the scenes. So, I mean, if that's what you want. So, you know, the uh, the... One of the most important uh, qualities of a believer is this husna done with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Whatever I did, you know, this is Allah mahad al juhud wa alayka tuklan. Oh Allah, this is my effort and the results are in your hands. I could, oh Allah, you know, you're the one that gives me ability. Um, you're the one that put me in the situation. You did what, and having the husna done after the amal is such an important aspect of our, of our deen. That, oh, well, you know, I could, this is what I could manage, what I managed to do, and then leave it. The idea that a person has that Allah did not accept, it's true. We should not mistake in the fact that we should not just be arrogant after doing good deeds. You know, that's true that a believer is ihsan al-amal. You know, he has the ex excellence in his deed all the time. He tries his best. 
at the same time he has husn al billah so what sheikh ibrahim said you know i feel i feel for my fellow canadians who are right across the border because the the environment of ramadan is in the masajid you know they had 36 eid salahs in windsor 36 try to put that in a, right across the border 36 because 10 people were coming they started the eid salah right after ishraq and they went all off all the way to asr because they got that in some madhab it's allowed to asr i'm just messing with you what's the door <laughs> sheikh umar is like man someone so they did they did it till Dohar, like right before the and then like subhanallah i mean you can't even feel the vibe for eid 10 at a time 10 at a time you know so uh, sheikh ibrahim you know to all the fellow canadians and to all the people all, all over the world whatever you did in ramadan inshallah will accept you know keep your head up and, and you know the good deeds you did in your home could be much more rewarding than the good deeds a person did in the masjid you know does it sometimes it doesn't even matter what gathering you're part of sometimes you can be part of the gatherings of dhikr but still written among those who are negligent and sometimes you can be part of the gatherings of people who are negligent but be written among those who are remembering allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so inshallah you know it was it was a challenge for all of you um all wherever you were and you, inshallah allah accepted all your deeds i think now it's about Let's if Allah gives us an opportunity to go to the back of the masjid after in the, in the next Ramadan or after these few months, we will show Allah that we are worthy of being back here. That's that's a sentiment that I think we should develop, inshallah. Yeah, uh, I mean, the sisters wanted to go. I don't want to take uh, from inshallah. This is like the perfect transition for whatever I'm going to share later, inshallah. So please, inshallah. Oh, so if that's the case, yeah, since it's a perfect transition, but I think inshallah, Sheikh Abdullah, go ahead, Bismillah. No, no, let's 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 hear what you guys say. Let's go to okay. Now it, it's just uh, mashallah. Uh, uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful hadith. A beautiful filmana in the meaning. It's to it's to cherish those beautiful days, and it, it reminds me, Subhanallah, that I always tell myself, firstly in the community, is to be a spiritual opportunist, to take advantage of these beautiful days, and then. You know, take a look back at the Sharia and you see how within the Sharia, Allah is always, always giving us an opportunity to quote unquote, do the right thing or to do better or to always increase ourselves in different ways. I mean, whether it's fasting, whether it's charity, as he mentioned, you know, uh, the, the days that are coming up, I mean, the 10 days of Gul Hijjah, we have the six days of Shawwal, we have always have the last third of the night, you know, you have, you know, during the day, even continuously fasting. So there's always opportunities, but it's just, again, you know, and it's what's interesting, you said, and it's a beautiful, beautiful word that is, you know, like a breeze or something that you're waiting for. And of those that have made Hajj, when it's hot and it's after Dhor and you're in Mina and then that breeze comes, subhanAllah, there's nothing like it. So using that as a met metaphorically is a beautiful, beautiful thing within our lives. And subhanAllah, it can even be your perception. Your nafha may be someone else's, maybe solely different for someone else. But it's just to remember that there will always be better days. And to cherish those better days, whether it's universal being what's in the Sharia or personally, inshallah. Allah knows best. Inshallah. Sheikh Abdullah is, is 30 for 31 of your nafha. It was just like. That's the last one. It's 30. 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question on this front before we, we, we move on to Dr. Tasneem, inshallah. It's a question after a question. But I think for a lot of us, Sheikh Ibrahim, and uh, I, I'll, I'll maybe direct it to Sister Najwa as well, particularly because honestly, you know, I think in the States, we were having a beautiful Ramadan experience. And then Palestine did consume, like, like you know, what broke out in Al-Aqsa, you just felt like a turn in the Ramadan atmosphere and the Ramadan mood. And of course, it's not like we want to enjoy a spiritual high and, and everything being so perfect when everything is not. 
and ignore it and that that spiritually took us away no but it but it changed it changed the entire um sort of atmosphere of ramadan right that last week where people typically where all the conversations are 27th night and last 10 nights and don't forget 29th 30th but I think Palestine was weighing heavy on a lot of people what was happening in Al-Aqsa, especially seeing the images out of Al-Aqsa. So I think a lot of people felt like they um, they were going, they were on an incline and then they just kind of, they neglected, if you will, some of their their uh, their goals uh, in that process. So I'm not sure, Sister Najwa in particular, if you have anything to say about that, right? The way that it, it, we can feel paralyzed by that, right? So it's, Spiritually speaking, if you don't care when you see what's happening, then that's a problem, right? So you should care spiritually. If you don't, that's actually an indictment. But but how do we deal with sort of some of us were paralyzed and then we're now regretful because we were paralyzed. I'm thinking that we missed out particularly on the best part of Ramadan. You know, something that uh, that was said that really stood out to me, it's even even before with Palestine, um, I, People told me over and over that this Ramadan was more challenging than last one. I don't know if it was the shutdown or the fatigue from the pandemic, but a lot of my clients, there are students and it hit right with finals. Or, you know, I uh, my peer group, a lot of people with parents where they would want to go, including myself, want to go to pray to Tarawih and then you have your baby crying and it's like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do? And so we have these circumstances that prevent us from being able to do all the things that we want to do. But going back and thinking about the best of Allah, that maybe he'll even reward us more for having the intention, for working harder, striving harder to do those exact same deeds. Um, and may he reward us, even though some of us felt paralyzed or we felt like immobilized. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because with Fulcine in particular, you have people who completely became paralyzed. It was very difficult for them. And may Allah reward them for that struggle and just maintaining that, that bad, you know, for them to be able to continue that. And it's probably you had other people who that need, although it was very painful, it brought them closer to Allah. Like, Allah, we are we're so in need of you. This, I mean, who, who can change the circumstances except Allah? So you had people who gravitated towards him as well. But going back to, to knowing that Allah knows what's in our hearts. He knows the struggle that we have. And so that if it's harder for you to pray, if it's harder for you to just to do anything, him knowing that and taking comfort in that and that just making dua afterwards, we all make istighfar after Ramadan, but making istighfar and then making you know dua that Allah accepts the best of us, whatever we're able to do. I would just add to that, you know, we know the Prophet ﷺ said, you know, the one who has difficulty reciting the Qur'an is rewarded double. So sometimes the difficulty increases our reward, even though our actions are lesser, you know, you're reciting less Qur'an than the person who is easy for them, Allah can reward you more. So, yeah, I mean, it's stressful times, it's difficult times, but like, you know, uh, Sister Najwa said and, and, and Mufti Abdurrahman said, like it doesn't mean that the reward is going to be less and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows our circumstances, knows what's in our hearts. Jazakumullah khair. I think that's, that's very important, inshallah ta'ala. Sort of a, a key point is many of us focus on the feeling and not the fact that, number one, we are dependent on Allah's mercy. Number two, we look at our actions and our deeds and how to continue those deeds, inshallah ta'ala. And so it is an understanding that in Allah's mercy, Allah recognizes not just the final output, 
but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also sees the struggle to get to where we were getting to. So if it became harder to do certain things, if it became harder to read, harder to engage, then inshallah ta'ala, we, we pray that that's all part of the acceptance. So Dr. Tasneem, um, and, and if you can please speak in non-PhD terms, inshallah ta'ala, if you can just keep it, you know, inshallah ta'ala, basic for, for us, inshallah. Which habits should people focus on after Ramadan? So now that, you know, Ramadan, you were engaging in so many different acts of worship and you're maintaining all of them, uh, or, or you were trying to maintain them throughout the month, but maintaining them throughout the year is not realistic. And as Sheikh Ibrahim said, these are nafahat. They're, they're breezes of mercy. They're seasons of mercy. So now that the season, that season has passed, we have another nafahat away of the six of Shawwal and things coming up, the Hijjah and so much. But what do people prioritize now in terms of what they keep in terms of actual habits and, uh, and deeds after Ramadan? So I think the, the way this conversation was going was perfect, Ali, because the hadith that I wanted to focus on or part of the hadith that I wanted to focus on was the fact that no one is entering Jannah based off of their actions. So I think that when we, when we want to talk about the deeds that we're going to be doing after Ramadan, that it's really we need to just switch our perspectives a bit and really focus on this discussion that we're, we're having that no matter what you did all, all of Ramadan we spent our, our you know our days fasting our nights awake in prayer we were and if for those of you who weren't you know didn't have the, even the best of Ramadans you were doing something different at least one thing if, if it wasn't you know reading more Quran it was definitely fasting for most people it was uh, trying to do your best. It was that mentality that you're in. So something was different about Ramadan. But no matter whether you were one to be doing just, you know, your your bare minimum and you felt like your Ramadan wasn't all there, or you were that person that had, you know, one of the best Ramadans of your life. At the end of the day, no matter how much effort you put in, that effort, those actual deeds aren't what are going to bring us into, will take us into Jannah. That it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who he is, that that is what's going to take us to Jannah. And that was something that's really emphasized, especially in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. If you think back to the, the main dua that the Prophet, peace be upon him, encouraged us to recite in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. Allahum inna ka'afuun kareemun tuhibbu al-afu wa fa'afu anna. Ya Allah, you're, you know, you're the most generous. You love to forgive who you are, you're the, the, the mercy of who you are, of, of the love that you give us is such that you want to forgive us. And we're begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a result, please forgive us. And so when you really focus on that mentality that the purpose of Ramadan wasn't so you could, you know, compete with others to get in as many good deeds. The deeds themselves, of course, that's something that we're encouraged to do and and we want to do. But don't lose sight of that end goal, which at the end of the day is to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for who he is. It's to recognize that this month is out of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. That it was, it's as a result of Allah's mercy and his, his, his beautiful attributes, his love, his care, his generosity, that is what gets our Ramadan accepted. And so when you think of this, when you have this mentality, it really helps to prepare for, you know, what am I going to do after Ramadan? What are those habits? Because again, sometimes what happens is that, you know what, I didn't have the best of Ramadans or, you know what, maybe I had a great Ramadan. But, you know, life is kicking back in. Things are getting busy. It's not Ramadan. I don't have the, the blessing of Ramadan, the vibe, the energy, the, the shayateen, the demons are back out. Now what? And what happens is that because of this, sometimes we look at the our actions, our day-to-day -day actions, and we belittle them. That, you know what, if I couldn't do my juza of Quran every single day, I was reading 20 pages of Quran every single day. 
I was reading one page, I was doing something that was beyond my norm. Because I can't keep up with it, then it's all or nothing. We have this black and white mentality. And again, we have this mentality because we don't have this, this big picture in mind that it's not about your actions, the bottles pant out his mercy. And in that very same hadith, you have my my absolute favorite you know uh, reminder from the Prophet that after after the Prophet says that you know what, nothing, none of your deeds are getting you into Jannah is what? That what happens next is that the Prophet says in that the best of actions Allah subhanahu wa are those that are consistent even if they're small. There's a very important connection between these two because when you recognize that all of your actions don't really matter except that it's Allah subhanahu wa mercy that's entering into Jannah. And then Allah subhanahu wa is telling us exactly what he wants that you know what? What I'll tell you what's going to get you into Jannah. It's that just do something consistent because when you're doing something small and consistent, you're constantly reminding yourself of Allah subhanahu wa mercy. You're constantly reminding yourself of that real purpose. And that purpose is, is pleasing Allah subhanahu wa Allah subhanahu wa is giving us that free press. Here, this is what's pleasing to me, doing something small but consistent. And with that in mind, when you're thinking about the habits that you want to embody in the next few months, and I'll wrap up with this, it's the fact that that you want to be you want to think about everything you're doing this Ramadan. There had to have been one thing that you felt that really pushed you, that really moved you compared to everything else. And so for some people that might have been reading tafsir, reading, you know, the the, per, the reasons that some of the Quranic verses were revealed. For some of you that might have been getting up to pray at night. For some of you it might have been the fasting. Think of that one thing that made you feel a little extra good inside. And it doesn't have to be, you know, something that made you cry or something that made you, you know, change your life, but really something that brought you just that one inch closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now focusing on solely on that, think if that was reading Quran 10 pages a day, just try to read one page a day. If, that, if you are reading one page a day, read one verse a day. And again, a lot of times the reason we refuse or we, we sort of neglect doing that, you know, you might be thinking to yourself, come on, one verse a day, I just came out of this month and I was going hard. What's the point? I might as well not do anything. But when you have that mentality that it's not about the action, you just do remember me often, do good things often, and I will do the rest. I'll get you into Jannah. That is really, if we have that mentality, we're going to start off small. We're going to start off with the little, we're just going to do one verse every single day. And then I promise you in a few months, in a few years, you'll realize how that, that, one good deed will snowball into really long-term habits and, and things that we can that looking back will be entirely different people as a result of that one simple action so really uh, i think just focusing on the big picture reminding ourselves what the purpose of london was what the purpose of any of our actions are and then inshallah was ta'ala will do the rest and we'll enter jannah through his mercy allah bless you I see Mufti Saab wants to already. He's like, let me add it. Let me let me start. So Mufti Saab, what you doing? I think you know, as growing up, I I I, I suffered this a lot too. This is something that's very close to me. Like, we we were always immersed in good environments, like for so long, an extended period of times. Like we were in a boarding school for like seven months, and you come home. You're eating hot Cheetos, watching Detroit Red Wings and Jolis Arena. Like what? We just came from like the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows, right? But you know, one late one of our aunties, subhanAllah, she's a great auntie. She said to me that, you know, she said to me that praying Maghrib Salah 
at Joel Luce Arena is more rewarding than praying at her school. <laughs> I was like, okay, Khair, you know, like, think about that. Like, she was like, it's like, I don't know where she got that from, but that there's there's a reason why that, you know, that famous dua about, you know, the, the Sahih Hadith in Tirmidhi, that, you know, you don't get that, the 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 one million reward deeds and one million sins forgiven and you know one million darajat uh, ranks you know one million good deeds that Allah forgives one million sins and Allah raises one million ranks if you recite this du'a when you enter into the masjid these this reward is given to the person who recites this du'a when entering to the mall so sometimes like going into these places like the, that that you know that Ramadan vibe and everything that's happening in Ramadan. So you, you come out of Ramadan, Dr. Sneem mentioned, then you feel like, what, what's the point now? It's all or nothing. No, like just reciting La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika la lahu al-mulk wa lahu al-hamd yuhi wa yumit wa wahayyun la yamut biyadihi al-khayr wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir. That's one narration of this dua. I mean, that's it. You recite that when you enter the mall. Like it's fine. You're in the mall now. But the fact that you remembered Allah, even this little, in the mall, you're getting that. You're getting those rewards because you got, you got that in the mall. I mean, if you enter into the masjid, that would not have been the same, you know, the same reward. And so, like I, what you're saying, Doctor Dustin, it, it makes sense to, because we come from institutions. You come back, you go Umrah, Hajj, and then you come back to like you now. You're like, I remember one time I went for Hajj. I think it was the Sheikh Omar Salim. I came back, and I went straight from the airport to Wayne State University for my class. And I remember the night before I was praying Isha in uh, Madinatul Munawwara right in front of the Jannah. The next day, I was praying Isha Salah with my sweater on the ground next to the staircase in campus. Wallahi, the next day. And I, I, so I couldn't, I was like, man, like, so that, you know, this, and I, if you don't, if you, this is one of my favorite statements of a Sahabi because it, 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 it's so like, it, it hits me all the time. The idea that even Sahaba went through this. Like, they never were on one level all the time. They even went through this. Usaid bin Hudayr, he says, Lawla anni akunu fi uh, if it wasn't, if I was in any of these three conditions all my life, I, I know for sure I would have been a person of Jannah and I would have no doubt. Meaning there were three conditions in his life where he felt like he reached the top. And that doesn't, that means that he wasn't always there at all times. And he says, When I recite the Quran or when I hear it being recited, when I am there at the sermon of the Prophet and the third thing he said is when I would when I would attend a janazah. You know, these three things. I mean, you know, we nowadays we don't attend the janazahs the same way. A graveyard is a silent place with a loud message. You know, that's what Shaykh Sumamullah says. Right? So it's a silent a graveyard is a silent place with a loud message. So these three these three conditions, if I'm in one of these three. I would be. I, I would have no doubt. I'll be a person of Jannah. So, Doctor Dasim, what you said, that's true, man. You know, we have this feeling that Ramadan do everything. Then now, I don't get the same vibes. Honestly, that's true. You had that feeling, but there's so much you can do after, and you will still get the reward for it. And inshallah, you felt that before, so you're always gonna try to get back to that feeling, inshallah. Subhanallah. Just I know people are gonna ask about the du'a. By the way, La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah. And we'll put it inshallah in the comments as well. Um, by the way, just something very interesting about that dua in that sense is that the only addition to the common iteration of that dua, which is is يُحْيِي وَيُمِيتُ وَهُوَ حَيٌّ لَا يَمُوتُ 
he gives life, he gives death, and he is ever living, and he does not die. And one of the uh, wisdoms of that is that the Prophet ﷺ taught us, Allahumma la isha illa ish al akhirah. Oh Allah, there is no life except for the life of the hereafter. So the fact that you bring yourself to that when you go to the marketplace, when you go to um, you know, a place where, and I get asked the question by the way all the time, like what if what if I say the dua when I enter into like Amazon or online shopping since things have changed? You know what, say the dua, Allah is more merciful and generous but the idea was when you walk into a marketplace even physically it's so easy to quickly get distracted like if you've ever seen the traditional souk it's so loud you know like it's so loud it's so distracted it's bargaining it's all types of things going on and even without all of that like you walk into the marketplace you're so distracted and it's like you're reminding yourself of al-baqiyat you're reminding yourself of the things which al-baqiyat al-salihat uh, what Allah mentions in the Quran of the righteous good deeds that stay are what the ulama of tafsir mentioned what dr Tasneem was just talking about the small consistent good deeds particularly dhikr particularly the remembrance of allah so the fact that when you go there you still remind yourself that life true life is not in these things true life is beyond these material things and that's why what does allah re- uh, reward you with this incredible reward right so in many ways, I think the message here is to do these good deeds outside of Ramadan can even be more rewardable in the sense of your spiritual traction and, and movement towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You never know even the reward that may come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because uh, it's so much harder to do these good deeds uh, outside of Ramadan. So Ramadan magnifies because of the virtue of Ramadan. But after Ramadan, consistency magnifies because of the I don't want to say lack of virtue because every month has its virtue, but because of the downtime, if you will, uh, that everyone is taking uh, after Ramadan. I'd love to hear from Inshallah Ta'ala. Sister Nadra Sheikh Rahim, Sheikh Abdullah, Tafadal. No, MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. There's a lot in there. I mean, SubhanAllah, how he mentioned, uh, you know, when coming into the sulk, and if we just ponder over the different, the different supplications and their connection with the event. There's a reason behind it. Whether we know it or not, there's an ultimate reason behind it. As you alluded to, as you mentioned, you he what you meet, and then distractions. And subhanAllah, you know, distraction is that which is dis from traction. That when we look at the word in English, traction means that you have something, you know, tightly knit or something that you have, but distraction takes you away from that, detaches you from that. And I mean, even when you mentioned Amazon, subhanAllah, you know, I can get more, more, more distracted online and on Amazon than going into the store. You know, physically, because you're, you know, the related, the related items. You click on that. Oh, okay. Then you click on this. You click on that. Next thing you know, it was it's Lord, and then you just click on, you know, right after Fajr. So that is definitely a distraction with all this social media. This is all kinds of distractions. But Subhanallah, just seeing how the adiyah, the supplications, are tied to particular events, whether we know what it is or not, we know that a Hakim, that the All Wise, you know, gave that to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the Prophet Sallallahu said that for a particular reason. Which is which is so profound, meaning that we can always have an opportunity to continue learning. And then, uh, lastly, that that beautiful hadith from, uh, from uh, Dr. Tasneem, which she mentioned, uh, one of my favorite hadith. Subhanallah, I always tell this to my kids, to new Muslims, to myself, is that you know, Subhanallah, don't ever be right. Do not belittle any good deed at all, uh, and realizing that. You know, I was just reading the other day. I can't remember which book it was, but it was talking about how we should learn from children, from babies. Because naturally, naturally within our fitrah, 
when a baby tries to when tries to stand and walk, they'll fall, but then they'll get right back up. And I'm almost sure you're seeing with Khadija right now. Yeah, half of the whole lot, man. You see, oh, they're getting up and they're falling. They're getting up and they're not gonna give up because they see it all. They're not gonna give up. We should take lessons from that, you know, and take it just slowly but surely, and realizing that we will be in the life of Hanwha Taala, obtain our goal, inshallah. The determination of babies, man. The azima of babies. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, they are determined. Sheikh Ibrahim, Sister Najwa, anything from you before we go go on, inshallah? You know, something that just stands out for me is just, subhanAllah, you know, when we look at dua and, and dhikr throughout the day, it's it's in the mundane things. It's in the everyday things. It's, you know, a lot of times we associate these spiritual highs with, with Ramadan or, you know, the, 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 the bigger things. But it's it's that consistency throughout the day when you go to the bathroom, when you go to the marketplace, those are the things, those are the small embedded that really add up at the end of the day. And that gives hope too, that, you know, even if you didn't have the best of Ramadans, all that opportunity, just in your everyday, every night that you have to, to work on that. You brought up Khadija, Shaykh Abdullah. Um, I always, subhanAllah, try to think about Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha never had a Ramadan. Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, first Ramadan, right, Badr. Uh, you know, like, so the, the point is, is that, subhanAllah, think about the sabiqun even that didn't have a Ramadan, but their place with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're not dependent, our station with Allah is not dependent on one of the seasons of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, though we certainly avail ourselves of them. And, and, and truly, I think what you just mentioned, Sister Najwa, Jazakumullah khair for that, uh, that reminder that it's in the daily things. Shaykh Abdullah, uh, What's one word that you would use to describe the other 11 months of the year compared to Ramadan? Uh, that's a great question. I think uh, I think it would be, uh, you know, really, uh, for, for Ramadan for me, is I mean, it really ties to the hadith that uh, Dr. Tasneem mentioned, you know, really discipline is to be someone that is conscious of wanting to be disciplined. But, you know, when you're disciplined in something, that means you have an ultimate goal or purpose that you're trying to get to. But ultimately, that cannot really be fortified unless there is you know, value. So I value a certain thing that I want to get to or to please. So in this case, you know, we want to, we value Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who he is and what he loves. You know, and it's interesting, uh, I think Shaykh al-Salam Taymiyyah, he mentions in, in Urbudiyya, he mentions that true love is not obtained until you love what the beloved loves, right? So that, that's something that's very important in regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we love what he loves and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa loves. It's not something that's going to be overnight. And there may be some things, you know, that 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 in our in our chest, we don't understand why or it may not be something that we're privy to or, you know, fond of from the Sharia. I mean, we're human beings, but it's important to realize that, OK, this month of Ramadan, I've done something amazing. You know, we don't realize the fact that we have fasted for more than 12, almost 16 hours. You haven't ate or drank. You haven't done these things. And then the next month you go back to eating and drinking. But if you just take a look back, just because just at that reality, you left all of that for something. Now, why did you do that? That's what you should constantly remember and then see that, okay, I'm able to do this for 30 days or however many days, 15, 20 something days, whether it was from an excuse or whether you know you tried your best but realize that it's possible. And I think that's important for us, for Muslims to remember is that in these 11 months, 
we should look at Ramadan as a catalyst for numerous personal possibilities. And fasting is just one of them. You know, and one thing that I really wanted to capitalize on, capitalize on my, in, in the community and for myself initially is, you know, subhanAllah, the, 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 the concept of sleep in particular. I don't think that's talked about a lot when we talk about Muslims and human beings and sleep and how sleep, some, some individuals say, specialists say that it's even more important than exercise and diet combined. And we see within the sleep of, the, of Islam, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, he would sleep in the first part of the night and he would wake up in the last third, generally, generically. And even the Prophet ﷺ did not like to engage in frivolous talk immediately after Salat al-Isha. So he would take his time and go to sleep and he would wake up in the last third of the night. So looking at yourself and seeing, okay, which aspect of my sleep can I refine? Because it's all inclusive. You know, we talk about Ramadan, we could talk about, you know, diet and what you break your fast with, which is primarily important. We could talk about, um, you know, you know, a lot of guys, guys and people are coming up and talking about working out in Ramadan. What should I do? What should I not do? Again, back to the hadith of taking those little deeds and seeing you personally where you thrive and where you shine. Like what I tell new Muslims in particular, is like, okay, which salat would be easiest for you in the beginning to start with? Are you a morning person, an evening person? Start with that. And then throughout in the beginning, middle and end, Always ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep you firm upon that and to stay upon it. So within these 11 months, it's about what personal uh, practices that you have that you can be consistent on and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep you firm upon it. So along with that hadith that Sister Tasneem was mentioning, there's another hadith that I always love to mention as well, which is the hadith in the sujood. That the Prophet used to say in his sujood, and it's interesting that his wife Aisha heard this when he was saying this in the middle of the night, when she woke up and she would reach for him and she touched the bottom of his, his feet. And that's what he heard him saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So particularly when looking at that particular act of yours, and I'm particularly wanted to touch on sleep, but due to time constriction, looking at how we can use that to be uh, uh, something virtuous for us in these next uh, 11 months. So that word really comes to my mind and it's a very, very important word, which is very comprehensive. Is, is discipline. And I usually define that as constant acts of control to reach a particular goal, right? You have this acts of control to reach that particular goal. And it is guaranteed by the permission of Allah. If one is sincere for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for instance, if you say, okay, I want to you know, sleep early in the night to wake up the last third of the night because I was doing that in the last 10 nights, right? It doesn't have to be the last, the rest of the 11 months. It could be one night out of the week that you say, you know what? I want to wake up the last third of the night and I want to ask Allah for this. I want to wake up the last third of the night and I just want to put my hands up in dua. And then the next month, I want to wake up the last third of the night and then pray uh, uh, turakat or pray witr. You know, something that will assist you in that, uh, I think, inshallah, is something that is, is, is very, very good. So when I think of the 11 months, I think of the word discipline. But when we think of this word discipline, we have to take a step back and look at our purpose and what we really value. When we say Allah, but personally, when we say Allah, what does that mean for us personally? It may be one particular name or attribute of him that really hones in and is really personal for you. Actualize it in your life and think about it. And within these 11 months, be around the people, be around the places, inshallah, uh, that will assist you and being consistent in that particular action, inshallah ta'ala. And that's something that I really want to remind all of us, inshallah, is to think of the word uh, discipline 
and being consistent on that for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we will, by the permission of Allah, with good thoughts, as we mentioned, we will reach that particular goal, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. SubhanAllah, the hadith at the end, uh, the hadith that was mentioned by Dr. Tasneem that's been alluded to a few times, the end of it is tablughu, you'll reach your destination. That if you if you continue to act with this idea of, of balance and moderation and determination, keep making your progress towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you make, take advantage of the early morning and of the evening, then you will reach your destination, like an assurance from the Messenger And I think that one thing you mentioned that, that hit me right away was trying to be around the people and the places. And this is something I said in the Monday night reminder too, and I'll mention it here. Bringing some of the Ramadan ingredients into your shawal is so important and into your outside, in, into all the other months, bringing some of the ingredients of the Ramadan. What were the places? What were the people? Who were the people? What were some of the things that really brought life to my heart and that really uh, spiritually charged me? In Ramadan that I can still bring uh, outside of Ramadan, particularly in Shawwal, right, where six days of fasting at least, right, because you have makeup days, you may have makeup days, so that's one-fourth or one-third of the month you, you can be fasting, right? And if you just think about that with everything else, the day that I fast, for example, what if I read the same amount of Qur'an the day that I fast in Shawwal that I did in Ramadan, my typical day in Ramadan? What if I bring that because there are different strategies, right? So I take this much every day of Shawwal or my day of fasting in Shawwal. Uh, what if I bring the same amount of Quran that I used to bring in Ramadan? What if those are the days, for example, I choose? You mentioned once a week. Let's say you choose once a week to pray Qiyam. And obviously, Tarawih has its own its own thing. But how do I bring that about that particular uh, that particular night. So some of the Ramadan ingredients are very important, inshallah ta'ala, for us to to incorporate as well. Something in regard to the mention of sleep, because <laughs> for those who know me, I take my sleep very seriously. <laughs> but um, I was really surprised to find, I remember going, when we were reading through Naqim's Madarij al-Sadiqeen, when he's talking about corruptors of the heart and you know how can you sort of rectify some of the disease of the heart, he talks about sluggishness as one of them. Of like you're being you're, you're sluggish because you're tired, you're overeating, and all of that. And he, he specifically mentions that the need, this medical need at the time, you know, a thousand years ago, for for eight hours of sleep every night. And I think I, that I remember was a really big turning point because at you know at that point in my life, uh, you know, be, having been an undergrad every year before that, you know, throughout high school, throughout undergrad, I was always told, you know, sleep is for the weak. If you're sleeping, that means you're not productive. That means, you know, there's, there's just like this correlation between you don't have enough goals or motivation that you're willing to sacrifice eight hours of night every um, every night for sleep. And I really, uh, I think like you were mentioning, Sheikh Abdullah, it's important to think of sleep as um, as vital to enhance our worship and enhance our, and to gain that discipline. It really changes your life when you're able to manage course not everyone has the luxury of sleeping eight hours but making sleep a priority and not sacrificing it um if isn't necessary really think about it as our whole our holistic well-being our health well, the way we eat the way we sleep the way we work out all of this is is vital to not just you know ritual acts of worship but our the the, the degree of worship we do in all of our our acts whether that's through our work through our relationships through school really thinking about it as this big picture of 
how you want to feel and how you want and, and the, the strength you have to contribute in every aspect. No, mashallah. Mashallah. I mean, with, 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 no, with, with sleeping is something, you know, it's something that I just think about it. I remember I was thinking about it, I was like, subhanAllah, the things that are beyond our control within ourselves that we can't even control, there has to be a wisdom behind it to where it's beneficial for our existence. And sleep is one of them. So we cannot belittle that. And studies are showing that, like I said, it's it's highly important. It's, it's very important to literally for your brain, for, for as I say, brainwashing, it cleanses your brain, uh, even for weight loss. I mean, there's, if you look it up, it's called melatonin. That's that's an element, that's subhanAllah, a hormone that is released. It even helps with weight loss. And it, you know, it, 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 it's secreted really in the darkness, you know, subhanAllah. So there's a lot of benefits behind sleep in and of itself. And there has to be because Allah SWT has placed it within each and every one of us. So it's an amazing thing, and I could go on about that, but JazakAllah um, it's really, really important that Ramadan is a time particularly of sleep uh, that we can really study ourselves and see what is best for ourselves, inshallah ta'ala. So Sheikh Abdullah, is it true that you don't actually work out? You just you just said sleep is more important than food and, and, and working out. You just sleep a lot. That's all it is, right? And then we just, that's, that's how muscles grow right that's, that's just, yeah yeah so what you're that's supposed what to i'm do. hearing from you you know just to sleep and then you'll naturally wake up and you know biceps and triceps and everything will just well see the key is you have to you have to dream about working out see when you do that <laughs> it's like a shafi'i rahimah life's dream about uh you know niqash and you know knowledge yeah. today. you dream about lifting weights and you wake up and then it just <laughs> oh no mufti abdurrahman's raising his his hand uh oh here we for go. the last five minutes Oh, I thought you were frozen. Oh, I, thought you were frozen. <laughs> I thought you were trying to do a face palm. No, no, I was raising. I mean, I gotta, I gotta raise my hand in this um, conversation, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala mentions the vert, the qualities of believers in Surah Mu'minun, He also mentions the qualities of people who were on the other side, you know, the disbelievers, the people of Makkah. And Subhanallah, He could have mentioned any quality. Like they, they have a whole bucket list of bad qualities. And so if Allah highlights one of the bad qualities, that means there's something wrong with that. And he mentions, Mustakbirun They were arrogant and Samiran, they were people of Samura. What does Samura mean? Samura people, they would talk at night. They would gossip at nighttime, stay up late at night. So Allah took out time and put it in the Quran to highlight the, I mean, subhanAllah, he could have mentioned, like when, when you read that, he could have mentioned anything. With Takabbar, he mentioned Samura. Like seriously, like that, I mean, that is enough to tell us we got to watch ourselves because if the people of Mecca, their bad quality was they used to sit and indulge in Samura, which is at after uh, after it becomes dark at night, so maybe right after Isha Salah, just sitting and chilling and gossiping. This was mentioned as a bad quality of the disbelievers of Mecca. That means that's something we cannot incorporate because it will have a very bad impact on our lives. So, you know, just to just, um, you know, go off of what Sheikh Abdullah and Dr. Tassim were mentioning. That's very powerful. It's probably like the opposite of the believers are, you know, when it comes to speech, idle speech, they're, they're very, very particular about not engaging in idle speech. And you're talking about the others. And you just think about spiritually what that does to you, by the way, the late night gossip and the way, you know, when people get into these long chats, right, in the comments section somewhere or wherever social media outlet or WhatsApp or whatever it is, just how spiritually detrimental that quickly becomes and how the time that it wastes and the spirituality that it diminishes as well. So, cause, cause I think that's, that's related as well to sleep. You're, you're thinking about, 
oh, you know, well, we're supposed to be staying up at night and, and you know, the Sahaba barely slept. And they were awake in Qiyam when they were awake. They weren't awake, uh, you know, wasting hours in, in gossip. And I think that when we when we look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the uh, injunction to try to sleep after Isha, uh, for example, um, th those are very powerful concepts, you know, how intertwined they, they truly all are. I think people are going to go online and start now Amazon and looking for the right mattress because that's what they got from the Yaqeen post Ramadan webinar is how to sleep better. And while you're at it, you find that perfect white mattress. You might find a matching turban, Mufti Abdul Rahman, white turban. Uh, scrap the, sh you know, have have it right, inshallah, Taz. Match your bed related in the related section. Make sure you stay there. Use part of it as your pillow and the rest for the blanket, inshallah, Taz. <laughs> Shots fired from Sheikh Abdullah, man. That's Sheikh, Ab Sheikh Abdullah does not usually fire shots at people. He just took one at you, so it's all good. I, I, I'm, I, I next time I'll just come with the problem of a punching bag with the Yaqeen shirt on it and, <laughs> <laughs> and a turban on top of it. Hold on, that's it. <laughs> Sheikh Ibrahim and I are in the middle. Respect you. Sheikh Abdullah reaching across or this way, right? Yeah, reaching across the screen. We have a therapist and a doctor on each side to mitigate. It's all good. We're covering all grounds, alhamdulillah. Sister Najwa, we need tools and strategies, true tools and strategies. I mean, we've talked about the mercy of Allah, we've talked about the feeling, we've talked about you know, the importance of consistency, but some tools and strategies, people do want to turn these habits into long-term ones, right? And they've, they've definitely been exposed to some of their potential in Ramadan. What are some tools and strategies, inshallah, that we can take from this all? Yeah, so um, first and foremost, what Dr. Jasneem said is, is internalizing that whole idea of that the most beloved deeds uh, to Allah are the ones that are consistent, even if they are a few. Um, and taking that, internalizing that, uh, because, you know, after the high of Ramadan, um, people begin to feel unmotivated. Uh, you know, there's a few days afterwards with the adjustment. But, you know, when we, when we look at that hadith and we also look at research, we know that the people who are more likely to continue uh, maintaining strides towards their goals are the ones that, that do them consistently. And one of uh, my favorite tools for you know, staying consistent and, and trying to work towards goals is make it hard for you to say no to that goal or make it hard for you to say no to that good deed. And so when we look at habit forming and routines, you know, there are three, three or four major parts of establishing uh, um, a habit that becomes automatic. The first is usually there's some kind of cue or a trigger then there is the behavior itself, and then there's the reward or the gratification afterwards. And a lot of times in these discussions we're looking at, we just talk about the behavior. Okay, well, let me do this, let me do that. But we don't look at the cue or the trigger right before, because that, if you can get that, that lays the foundation. It makes it easier for you to be able to carry on with those good deeds after Ramadan and throughout the entire year, inshallah. So if I were to give some examples, um, if you were one of those people who gave money every every day during Ramadan or every d night in the last 10 nights. What can you do so that you cannot say no to that good deed? 
if you go to the bank or if you go even to, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, ask if you want to withdraw money, you can set the foundation by once a month when you have that opportunity, you're there anyway, you're at the bank or the grocery store anyway, withdraw $20 and $5 bills and put it in your pocket. And make the intention every time you go to a uh, Friday prayer for the people who, who can go to Friday prayer and make the intention that every time you go, you're going to give $5 that day. You have set the foundation. How can you say no to that? You're going to the banker store anyway. You're going to Friday prayer anyway. You have your wallet anyway. You're going to pass by the donation box anyway. So you're setting that foundation of, well, how can I say no to that? So it's going to be more likely that you're going to give. If you're one of those people who decided to do um, two, two sunnah prayers uh, during the day or maybe even at night, um, you know, make it in a way that you can continue, to, that you cannot say no to yourself. So it might be, you know, praying Isha on the earlier side so that you have, that you're not tired, um, that you have the, the, um, the motivation to be able to pray two, two, four rakahs right after Isha. Inshallah, it'll count as Qiyam al for you. Or if you're one of those people that gets up for, for Fajr prayer earlier, you know, you're making wudu right before Fajr comes in, just five minutes earlier. If you can, you know, catch one rak'ah before Fajr comes in, then you have sustained that habit. So you're, you're putting yourself in situations that it makes it very easy for you to continue on. Even like reading Qur'an. Uh, if you were reading Qur'an daily, if you can, you know, there's the Qur'an apps, move it to your home screen, right next to your Facebook app or whatever app. So that when you come on and you're bored, you know, literally your thumb, it's, it's half a quarter of an inch from, from that app. So you're more likely to be like, you know what, let me just open up that app and, and read a few ayat. So making it easy for yourself to, uh, to maintain those good deeds and, and focusing on being consistent, even if they are a few, you're much more likely, not even just in Shawwal, but for the whole entire year, inshallah, that you'll be able to sustain these things. And, you know, inevitably, we also, we, we all fail. Um, I think it was Dr. Jasleem who was also talking about black and white thinking. It's so easy for us to say, well, I didn't do it this day. Or two days went by and I didn't do whatever that good deed uh, was. And so using but statements, uh, meaning that, you know, today I didn't pray my sunnah prayer, but tomorrow, inshallah, I will. Or maybe I didn't pray my, my sunnah for, for Fajr, but I will for Aisha. Um, so not making it a final thing then not having that black and white thinking that even if i even if i mess up a few days inshallah you know there's more opportunities for me to continue it's not necessarily about um that i have to do every single day but it's consistency whatever that might look like and there might be days that's more clustered uh, weeks where your your deeds are more clustered together but it's continuing even when you fail even when you you know you're struggling getting back up and 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 doing um that deed and lastly, I would also suggest, you know, writing it down. Writing it down helps. I, I don't know about anybody else, but some, I write down goals and I write things and I leave them to the side. And sometimes time passes by and I'm like, and I see it. And I'm like, I can't, uh, I can't believe I wrote that. You know, like that was actually really good. I, sh I should have put it somewhere where I, where I would remember. So, you know, picking two or three things, um, these that you want to work on. If you pick too many, you know, whether you're in the field of business or even psychotherapy, you, you don't ever want to have too many goals at one time. You want them to be measurable. You want them to be small and just two or three. Write those things and then like put on a post-it note and put it on the back of your door. So inshallah that you remember um, and that, that you're more likely to, to not forget and that you can continue revisiting those, those deeds um, long term. Because the idea is that 
you know, we don't want to come back to Ramadan to Ramadan each year the way we, we left off. You know, that has a lot to do with the highs and the lows. But if we, you know, have, have that Ramadan, and of course we're going to come down from that high, that's completely natural. But even if like we're 1% better than the year before, that, that is improvement. That is really good. So that each year, inshallah, even if you stick to some really small deeds and you're consistent, you're coming back to that Ramadan, to the new Ramadan, better than before. So instead of like having this high and low, you know, this up and down, up and down, you have your ups, but you know, it's almost like there's stairs. And inshallah, like you're getting better and better uh, as the time as the time goes by. Very helpful tips, subhanAllah. And actually something you mentioned that honestly it's it's immediate and it's very practical was the uh, the social media apps and the Quran app, right? Uh, you know, you just think about the wisdom from the Quran and the Sunnah of the entire idea of putting barriers between you and sin and then exposing yourself to the nafahat, exposing yourself to the breeze of mercy from Allah. But then that's a tabi'u khutuwat shaitan. Don't follow the footsteps of shaitan. You know, John Hajjah's put a, put a, put a barrier between you and the ma'asiyah, the disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wherever you can. And sometimes taking certain apps and putting them in one folder, for example, or putting them to where you have to make a few extra clicks, whereas the the right ones are, are, are very easy for you to access. And, and honestly, that's a good strategy. In this case, what you're saying, put your Qur'an app right next to the app that you typically would use. That way it's like, uh, you know, your thumb might accidentally open uh, the other one, hopefully uh, the good one, inshallah, and it'll keep you keep you busy and engaged with the night time. Very, very helpful tools and strategies. Anyone want to share any comments, inshallah, and then we'll go off to, we'll, we'll go to Mufti Saab, inshallah. To... I just have a quick comment. Um, I think maybe it's just the disciplinarian in me coming out, but um, recently I was listening and some, you know, fancy French philosopher uh, put it, put it simply, he said that a goal without a plan is just a wish. Um, and I hear this a lot. People are always asking, you know, so how do I make sure I, I get these things done? Seem I can't for the life of me, I can't get up for Tahajjud, I can't, I can't review my Quran. And I asked the first question I asked them, you know, is did you go to sleep? What time did you go to sleep? And they're like, oh, 2 a.m. You know, and I, I was laugh at this because it, it, you when we think about goals, when we think about planning, you really have to make this, you know, full effort in doing so. And that is things aren't just gonna manifest because you know, you thought about it, you wanted it, but it's something that you have to actively plan for. And that's the easy part. Planning is the easy part. And then when it comes to executing that that action afterwards, like like putting the app right beside the, you know, your Facebook app or whatever it is, it's going to become more natural and just much, much easier for you to incorporate. Sheikh Omar, Ibrahim speak. I was just going to tell, because our fellow Canadian over here, I'm also Canadian, and he's also Canadian. We just let him sit there, and he's not speaking. So, Sheikh Ibrahim, you have to speak, because it's not us Americans taking over. Me and he's you feeling, the same He's feeling the heat Sheikh Abdullah's screen coming towards you. It's like <laughs> trying to transition. Yeah. He's trying to... Sheikh Ibrahim has to speak. He's holding, so. he's holding like like this, right? Across the screen. <laughs> you know, one thing I was thinking about... Um, that everybody really kind of touched upon is how important it is for people to know themselves and know their own habits and know what they do and know what, you know, what they're good at, that they like, so that they can lean into that, to know the, the faults that they have so they can find ways and strategies to avoid it. And it, you know, reminds me of the verse in the Quran, uh, like, don't be like the people who forgot about, who forgot Allah. So Allah caused them to forget themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shows us that when you are not, you know, when you're far away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you forget yourself. You lose track of yourself. And to be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you account of yourself. And you have to think about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what's, what you do in your daily life, and how you can improve yourself. And so everything that we we're talking about really requires the person to think about themselves. Um, and to really evaluate themselves and know what their habits are and know what their inclinations are. You know, the scholars have a statement. I know they use it in different contexts sometimes. Uh, but man arifa nafsahu faqad arifa rabba. That whoever knows themselves will know their Lord or has known their Lord. And so there's so much about knowing your own self, really understanding yourself, your psychology, what you like, what you don't like, uh, what you're able to do, what you're not able to do. In order order to help you improve and so i just thought that's that's so important and, and knowing yourself is really a route for you to be able to know allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sheikh Omar, um, that verse right there is the you know the foundation of the entire philosophy of iqbal of khudi so if you tell me to comment on that it'll take three hours so i'm not going to give any comment on that idea but Sheikh Ibrahim, you have to if you look into iqbal's philosophy of khudi like the once a self-actualization, he literally, he read this verse, and from this verse, all of his poems about Khudi came from there. And that's one of his, you know, main uh, main points of his philosophy and his poetry are around that. I think I gave a, a small reminder about that in one of the Yaqeen videos. To, just to just say a few words about that as well. Sheikh Abdullah Adoro, between his face palms and his shiny teeth and his, you know, uh, broad uh, body, he's sitting like this. He sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he throws out gems, you know. And one of them, I remember, I was watching the Yaqeen video, and he mentioned something. He said, and I bet you he doesn't remember. You know what the funniest thing is? On my when I was doing my miftah uh, with my brother online, and the Quran like reflections daily, I mentioned. So Sheikh Abdullah once said this, and I mentioned the uh, I mentioned the the statement, and my brother's like, I said that. You know, he was so excited. I'm like, no, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, if I had to stay, I would say you once. And he got so excited. He's like, yo, I said that. Like, yo, put me down. I was like, no, not you. It's on live. It's one of the last few nights of Mufta. <laughs> and so, Sheikh Abdullah Dora once said, Subhanallah, I'm quoting him in front of him. He once said, Sorry, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. He once said that the bridge between motivation and action is discipline. Which is so powerful, man. Like, you know, I'm not sure if you remember him saying that, but like, you know, you're motivated and then you have the act. Then the, the, the bridge between that is discipline. And then I heard this from another person, which I always love quoting people, but I just don't remember who I heard it from, but it was a beautiful thing. They said, if you want to develop discipline, because discipline is not easy to develop. It's a difficult thing. You know, um, my arm is hurting me from 6,000 shots I took two days ago, you know, in basketball, not like shots in basketball. So, you know, it's the art of discipline. Like, you know, it's, the, the idea is a pain of discipline is far less than the pain of regret. Like I would rather shoot 6,000 shots and get hurt than miss the buzzer, bees, buzz, buzzer beater or lose all day. I mean, that's 100%. So that, that scholar once said that if you want to develop discipline, a good way of doing that is always pray all the salahs in the first 10 minutes when they come in. You know, that's it. Like that's discipline right there. Unless you're praying in the masjid. Right when it comes in, the Prophet was asked, what's the best of all deeds? And he said, praying salah at its earliest time. So imagine in your, in your time, in your, in your mind, you have 10 minutes, that's all I have. Versus, I have the whole night to pray Isha. Right? That, that in itself will give you more discipline. So 
just wanted to throw that out there as well. His sister Najwa was talking about plans and goals. Uh -huh. You know, Sheikh Abdullah mentioned discipline earlier, and I thought it might be a good way to, you know, add that in there. The pain of discipline is greater than the pain of regret. Very powerful, mashallah. It's not but, mine. Someone said that too. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I'm going to know that, you know, once you start quoting Sheikh Abdullah in Urdu, like once you start translating Sheikh Abdullah Aduru's words, his gems into Urdu, you could write a, a, a book on Sheikh Abdullah Aduru's gems in Urdu. Come on, man. We, we want to see Sheikh, we, Sheikh Abdullah. Do you speak Urdu? Uh, uh, no, I can. I mean, I know, words? I know, you I know no words in your arsenal? when you say kill, you have to do this, right? It's 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 kill, and then I'm kind of kill him. I realize you can get away with like acha, chedo, chede, and ajo, and just like you know, just use the, the those those words and you can get away with it. But but Mufti Saab is going to make a whole book of your gems in Urdu. Allah. <laughs> In poetry form, inshallah. In poetry form. <laughs> With that, inshallah, Ta'ala, Mufti Saab, uh, give us your top two post-Ramadan uh, habits, inshallah, Ta'ala, uh, that we can we can all, inshallah, Ta'ala, benefit from. So give us two things, inshallah, um, in English, please, that we can all do, inshallah, Ta'ala, after, after Ramadan, that are part of your post-Ramadan that we can all learn from, inshallah. all right. right. I'll, I'll do it in English. Okay. okay. I'll do it in English. No problem. I'll, I'll take it easy on you guys. So, um, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So, Sheikh Umar had to give me two because he knows that I'm not going to stop at one. So, he was generous with me and said two. So, I'll say this. You see, I, I think of Ramadan as the plainest taxi at the airport. You see, you have hundreds of employees preparing this plane to go, right? You have the people with the baggage, you have the people at the boarding pass, check-in, all that. And when the plane takes off, you have these the pilot, co-pilot, you have less employees working while it's at flight than you do while it's on the ground. And so I, I think that in Ramadan, you have all these ways to prepare yourself. You know, you have taraweeh, you have, you know, fasting, Quran, you have all these different things that prepare yourself to feel yourself so you can, you know, take this flight after Ramadan. Iqbal, he mentions about this, about in, in, in reverse to a bird, he says in this famous poem, he says, And the last part, he says, He, he, he talks about this human being as a bird, you know, and he says, <clears throat> a bird, the, the ascension, the flight of the bird is proportionate to how many specks of dirt that bird has on, on its wings. So before the bird flies, it, it you know it just it just shakes off its wings. It shakes the dust off its wings, and then it can fly, and then it can ascend. So hopefully this month of Ramadan was that for us, right? All the sins, bad habits, we could shake them off, and then now it's time for the flight. So yes, we don't have all those different acts, but that's not supposed to be with us the entire year. Now it's time for flight, inshallah, until the next Ramadan. 
And among the many things that we speak about in Ramadan, I, I don't know why this was so dear to me, this Ramadan in Etikaf, and I said to the people in Etikaf, this is, the, this is one thing we all have to try to do after Ramadan. It's so easy, but the reward is so great. Once the Prophet was sitting there, and he said, uh, I wish I could meet my brothers. And Sahaba asked him, are, are we not your brothers? And then he said, Antum ashabi, you're my companions. What you do? He says, You're my you're my companions. My brothers are those who come after me. I really wish I could see them. Subhanallah, if you Umar Khatadan who said the you know, I, I you could take everything away from me, but that one statement of the Prophet telling me, La tansana min duaika ya ukhaya or in another hadith ya akhi, he says, Oh my oh Umar, when you, don't forget me in your du'as, oh my brother. And he called me his brother. The fact that he called me his brother is so dear to me. It's more dear to me than anything in this world, whatever it contains. And the Prophet called us his brothers, even though we don't deserve this. But he said, I wish I could see my brothers. He said, no, my brothers are those who come after me. And I wish I could see them. But you know what? I'll be waiting for them on my pond. And the Sahaba asked, Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu hadith? Are you going to recognize these people? Like you have never seen them. So how are you going to recognize them? What, what characteristic, what will be their feature that you will recognize them through? And, you know, if he said through the white turbans, khalas, you know, I'm all set. I got it down. But he didn't say that. He didn't say hijabs. He did not say turbans. I mean, I already, like, I've already thought about my, inshallah, my conversation with the Prophet when he, you know, I have a feeling when he ends up seeing us, me, like, he's like, What's up with this turban? You know, why do you have it seven times on your head? And I'm gonna say, I was like, I thought that's what you did. You know, that's not. I wasn't doing it because I wanted to become, you know, I thought it was a style or that was that was in. You know, no way. I mean, I got it was worse that I had it, but I just I was doing it because I thought maybe he was like, I only tied it three times or only you you have it, you have it all wrong, but all we could do is make the effort and inshallah he would he would appreciate our effort and inshallah he would just give us the hug and say you know what, good job you tried. But no, this is not through our turbans, through our clothing, through all these different things he's going to recognize us through. He says, I'll recognize you. Naam, I will recognize you. He says, I will recognize you. You would come to me with bright faces and bright hands and feet on the account of the traces of wudu, ablution. This mark nobody else will have. Subhanallah. To, it just... Uh, how will we be, wudu is not just an act that we do to just to pray salah but think about every time you do wudu this is going to be my recognition the prophet will recognize me through my wudu through my traces of water on my face on my hands on my feet this is how the prophet will recognize me and if i don't have this then how will he recognize me that's what the prophet said another hadith man istata'a a person who could you know make his perfect his wudu then he should do it. She should do it. And when the Prophet was asked about the, you know, when he was, he said, Should I tell you about something that can wipe away your sins? How many times do you hear this in Ramadan? This will wipe away your sins. wipe away your sins. But these are not th this is not specific to Ramadan. There's so many deeds we can do after Ramadan that will give us the same reward of wiping away our sins. 
and this will be a means of elevation in, in Jannah. They say, Ya Rasulullah, please tell us. He says, al-makari. It's despite difficult circumstances, still doing wudu. That's the first thing. SubhanAllah, you know, if all of us can plan our entire day staying on wudu, it'll make us, it'll make our worship easier for us. It'll make us remember Allah easier. We won't have to hesitate for praying salah. Every time we, we will also plan our diet better because we won't eat and drink things that will, you know, make us. I literally, last year, my father told me this. My dad is, you know, he's, inshallah, all of us will see him one day, but he says things that are so powerful for me. He says, Durhman, just stay on wudu. When, when he said that to me, the first thing that left my d daily consumption was coffee. I used to drink five cups of coffee every day because it would break my wudu so much I have to do wudu more. And now when I travel with youngsters throughout the country, like every time you stop to pray, they all go have to do wudu. Just the fact that you can do wudu and stay on wudu. This not, don't think of it as some just a normal act of worship. Rather, this is a means of your sins for being forgiven. This is a means of your elevation in paradise. And this is a means of you being recognized by the Prophet al-makari. I mean, if we could just take this, inshallah, and stay on wudu throughout the day, everything, our, the, the, the idea, the thought of sins will also leave our body. And I thought about this because the, the first five surahs that were revealed in the Quran, or on the four of the five are in the last two juz. And in, in Surah Mudathir, Allah says, وَثِيَابَكَ فَطَهِرَ that's one principle from that. And I thought about this because why is the last four, the first, first five surahs of revealing the Quran, four of the five in the last two juz, because, and that's the last surahs you're reading in Taraweeh in Ramadan. And to me it was that, yes, you know, that was the beginning of the Prophet's journey. Ramadan is, is not an end, but it's a beginning. that comes at the beginning revelation with surah qalam and from there i take the second principle which is so easy brothers and sisters it's like it's not that difficult to do and and that is both places there's the allah mentions the first two sto stories in the quran is one of the uh, people of the uh, the the garden ashab jannah and the second is of yunus and both places he mentions the word musabbihin tasbih and so the principle from surah qalam i take is just take out a few minutes a day the Prophet said in hadith that um, should I not tell you something? Should I not tell you something that every single day, not only Ramadan, not on Laytul Qadr, when we did all this math and you know the equation on Laytul Qadr every minute, every second, should I not tell you something that you could do every single day that will give you the reward of the entire Mount of Uhud? And they said, How is it possible that we can do the deeds of that will equal Mount Uhud every single day? We are weaker than that and we're more incapable. Hadith in Tabrani, Sahih Hadith. And Nasa'i also mentions this hadith. And, and he said, This is by Imam bin Hussein. And he said, the Prophet said, all of you can do it. This goes about that idea of, you know, there's small things that are so powerful that you can still do that. It won't take too much of your time. So how is that possible? They said, just say, La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. A'adhamu min uhadin. Wa subhanallah. A'adhamu min uhadin. Wallahu akbar. A'adhamu min uhadin. Just the three things. La ilaha illallah will give you more reward than uhad. Subhanallah will give you more reward than uhad. Allahu akbar will give you more reward than uhad. Just take out five, ten minutes a day in your day. 
maybe right when you get in the car from, to go to work or right after work or right during lunch break. It's those few extra minutes that you put in that makes, that separates the great ones from the average ones. Just a few extra minutes. It's not three hours or five hours. It's just that one hour before the game that, you know, Steph or MJ or someone's shooting around that makes them better. It's not like they're spending 50 more hours. It's just a little bit more time, a little bit more. It just takes a few more minutes. You cite this. The Prophet said you get the reward of Uhud every single day. So these are the two things I would leave all, leave you with. Is, you know, that if we could, the, the malaika are, are not just coming on Laytul Qadr. They're not just looking for people worshipping Allah on Laytul Qadr, but they're looking for people doing dhikr of Allah every single moment. And when when they see people, they tell the other angels, come, come. There's that, that, here's the thing that you're looking for. Here's that person. Here's that brother. Here's that sister. So it's not, these are not specific for Ramadan. Stay in the state of wudu throughout the year. Take out a few minutes every single day. Do tasbih. Because Allah mentions this in Surah Qalam. The first principle is from Surah Madathar. And the second principle is from Surah Qalam. I was given this much time. I think I already took more time than that. But if we have more time, some other time, we'll talk about the other principles from the surahs. But these two, I think, if we can, they're so simple. The Prophet even gives hadith that there are people who be reclining on their turbans, you know, as pillows, and the other side of the turban over their bodies, and the nice, comfortable, you know, he didn't say turbans, but nice, comfortable blankets and mattresses. They'll be remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and them remembering Allah on these comfortable pillows and mattresses, that will lead them to the entrance of the Jannah. You don't have to be like in a difficult place, you could be doing it on your mattress. And finally, I will say this, people always say, you know, do I have to be attentive? You know, I try to do dhikr, I try to do astaghfirullah, I try to say subhanallah, but my, my heart is not with my tongue. And subhanallah, it's a good point, and we should try to make our heart attentive as well. But don't become despondent and hopeless. One great scholar, Sheikh Ashraf Tanahullah, said once that actually, even if your heart is not with your tongue when you're doing dhikr, you should do shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that at least one limb of your body is remembering him. So it's fine, you know, a time will come when your heart will be there as well. But the fact that your tongue was given the ability to remember Allah, you should actually thank Allah for that. So just continue doing these two things, you know, as my takeaway from this Ramadan, to do it every single day, stay in the state of wudu at all times, and try to remember Allah in the, in the days and nights, taking out time every single day. Inshallah, it will, it will be a means of our ascension throughout the year, inshallah. I'll reward you. And what I'd like to do, inshallah, just sort of in conclusion, inshallah, is everyone, um, you know, just sort of give your last 30 seconds, one minute max, inshallah, just, you know, quick sort of takeaway, inshallah, if you have one. And I will start, inshallah. Actually, I'll just open floor, inshallah, between Dr. Tasneem, Sheikh Abdullah, Sheikh Ibrahim, Sister Najwa, inshallah. Uh, any last last word of advice, inshallah, as we, we wrap it up? I think the thing you that know, stands out. Sorry. <laughs> That's what happens when I don't assign someone. I just leave it open for us. So. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to play off of the last thing that Sheikh, uh, sorry, Mufti Abdurrahman mentioned. Uh, you know, at the end of the series of verses about Ramadan and fasting, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, Right. So as we end the month, we have to be thankful. Even you know, if you felt like you did all of your guan or you did very little. Any moment that you had where you prayed to Allah, any moment where you made dua, any moment where you gave for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, any moment where you were able to turn to Allah, you were only able to do that because Allah wanted you to do it. And so to be thankful for the opportunity to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is something that should fill our hearts at the end of Ramadan as we look back, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us all thankful to be able to worship him, alhamdulillah. Amen, amen. I think for me, the, the thing that stands out the most is that there are so many simple deeds that we can do that have such a big impact. And that's, I think, from Allah's mercy that it almost levels out the playing field. Some of us are more motivated than others. Some of us are stronger than others. And so to have simple dua, to have simple athkar that can elevate us to such high degrees, to me, that's from the mercy of Allah and something that we can all take advantage of. Um, you know, that it's, it's super easy for us, regardless of, of who we are, um, and something that we can just integrate in, into our day-to-day uh, life just very easily, alhamdulillah. Dr. Sassim, Sheikh Abdullah, Sheikh Abdullah, Dr. Sassim, I was, I was muted. Um, but what Muftah Abdurrahman was saying in terms of wudu, one easy way to get started is actually just by doing wudu before you go to sleep. And this is something a friend very randomly she had, had mentioned, uh, oh, you know, by the way, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when you go to sleep, if you have wudu, the angels are, are spending all night making dua for you, praying for you. And I remember when she told it to me in passing, I'm like, who, who could give up on this opportunity? You could literally go to sleep and someone else is doing the work for you, is, is asking Allah for your forgiveness. So don't undermine that. And really, if you make it a habit, then it's naturally become a habit in the, in the daytime. You always want to have your wudu. Start off small. Start off just that night before you go to sleep. Always go um, go to sleep with wudu and think about that as you're doing. I know sometimes it's so hard. And you're like, you got into bed. You're like, oh, I'm so comfortable. I really don't feel like getting up. But picture in your mind that like, hey, I'm about to sleep for the next six, seven, eight hours. Uh, I might as well just have someone, you know, literally spend all night making dua for me. It's a free pass. It's so easy, and it's a win-win situation. So start off small, and that's that's somewhere I'd recommend. Yeah, and I'd say, Subhanallah. You know, she mentioned at the very end, just welcome the uncomfortable moments, uncomfortable moments, as you know, some say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, because in order to start a new habit, it's going to be uncomfortable in the beginning. It's going to be stressful, but you know, look at the light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what we talked about with discipline and being consistent. And that's why I love the hadith that she mentioned because he mentioned consistency. Then he encourages you and says just a little bit. So reflect to connect and you reflect on yourself and use those reflections in order to be consistent to connect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I already spoke enough, but all I have to say is Yarhamukallah, Sheikh Umar. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I was sneezing, but I, but I muted myself to sneeze. So, I know, yeah. but I can say, I can say Yarhamukallah. Yeah, mashallah. You heard my alhamdulillah even with my with my mute. Very special, man. Mashallah. May Allah reward you, uh, and may Allah reward you all. Uh, beautiful advice. Um, I think all of us kind of needed some some uh, relief time to think about renewal, inshallah, ta'ala, of our hearts and our souls. And with that, inshallah, ta'ala, I want to remind everyone to please tune in. Uh, uh we're starting the first back up, inshallah, this next week. Uh, we also will continue to have more conversations, inshallah ta'ala, coming up. So, you know, follow the Yaqeen social media outlets, inshallah ta'ala, stay tuned. Uh, we have some very important roundtables and conversations coming up on some of the issues, inshallah ta'ala, that we can all benefit from. And this certainly was very beneficial to me and uh, grateful to all of you for taking the time out. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to maintain the thrust that we sought in Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our hearts firm on his path. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our focus uh, upon him. May Allah keep our longing towards him. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow our final abode to be in the presence of our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Jannah al-Firdaus. Allahumma ameen. 
And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be with our brothers and sisters in Al-Aqsa and Palestine and Gaza and our Uyghur brothers and sisters and all of our brothers and sisters that are struggling around the world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help our brothers and sisters wherever they are uh, to overcome their oppression. Allahumma ameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 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 Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.